Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's August. Well, hello, New Hampshire. Now tell me, how much are we going to win this state in 2020? A tall guy with a Viking beard wearing an elegant gray suit walks out on a stage carrying a stack of red Make America Great Again hats. He tosses them into the crowd with a flick of his giant-sized wrist. Trump's campaign manager, Brad Perscale. Let's hear it. Four more years. Four more years. At six foot eight, per scale is so tall, he looks like a high schooler standing at the elementary school podium. He curls his frame around it. He tells the crowd he's heard they're the biggest ever in this gym in Manchester. He heard it's a bigger crowd even than the one that came to see Elton John. Per scale tells them Trump will be on stage soon, and the strains of ACDC's Thunderstruck come up. There's more music. The lights go dark. Up comes Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA. People are blowing kisses, their faces contorting like at a 1960s Beatles concert. Trump times it perfectly. The applause goes on and on. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Wow. I will never, ever let you down. That I can tell you, ever. Trump tells his story of the last two and a half years. More American plants, hiring more American workers, Foreign nations paying their respect. Immigrants being kept where they belong. Out. And then he calls out his campaign manager. Our campaign manager, he started off as a computer genius. And remember when they used to say that the Hillary Clinton campaign is highly sophisticated. Highly sophisticated. The crowd starts yelling, lock her up. Ours was far more sophisticated. And we had a man that did an incredible job. And his name is Brad Parscal, and he is fantastic. It's nice when you don't have to look for anybody. You just look over and you see a guy who's twice as tall as everyone. Great job, Brad. Thank you. How are we doing, Brad? From the side, Perscale yells, good. Got great poll numbers. For Brad Perscale, campaign manager, things are indeed very, very good. Joining us today, we are so lucky to have the campaign manager himself of the official Donald J. Trump re-election campaign, Brad Perscale. Brad, thank you. Thank you. I always appreciate when people say my name right, so I'm well, glad you finally got it right. Uh, we've known each other for a while, so I would hope Brad Perscale, who much of America doesn't know at all. 
Hello and welcome to Trump, Inc., a podcast from WNYC and ProPublica that digs deep into the business of Trump. I'm Andrea Bernstein. Today on the show, Brad Perscale, one of the most powerful men in the country, running what is on track to be America's first billion-dollar campaign. Brad Perscale is the most improbable presidential campaign manager that's ever held that role. This is Peter Elkind of ProPublica. For the past nine months, he's been reporting on Perscale. Perscale wouldn't speak on tape for this story. He emerged from absolutely nowhere in 2016. He was designing websites in San Antonio, Texas, had basically no political experience at all. The only campaign he'd ever worked in was doing a website for a candidate for tax assessor collector in Bear County, San Antonio. Now, Brad Perscale is at the center of an operation that shows how big money has really taken over American politics. One Republican operative calls Trump's 2020 campaign the Death Star. He is raising huge amounts of money from big dollar donors. He's continued a very large and expanded effort to get small money donations and to tap into the sort of fervent Trump supporters. He's getting money from every place. And he's also welcomed support from super PACs. It started the day Trump took office. You know, Trump did something extraordinary, which is he had the first nonstop presidential campaign. He announced for re-election, filed for re-election the day that he was inaugurated. And Parscale filed a new company to do political work called Parscale Strategy just days after that. And he parted ways with his partner in San Antonio, created this new business. Perscale embodies the current era of big money politics. He's both spending and making lots of it. One other big reason why Brad Parscale is important is because he's sitting uh, at a table with a billion dollars to spend and doling out favors, hiring consultants, shaping what people see and think about the president of the United States. That's an awful lot of money and an awful lot of power. Parscale's speeches and his regular tweets give him an unusually prominent role as a campaign manager. He's an avatar for Trump, tall and vigorous and mocking, in the same way that Trump is. Peter got a tape of a speech Perscale made to the Miami Young Republicans this year. In the speech, he kind of hit all the bases. He bashed Democrats, um, accused them of you know, wanting to kill babies in the third trimester. They also want to slaughter infants out of the Getting rid of private health care. And you're going to wait. You're going to wait for that doctor who's underpaid. Who's not Implement the Green New Deal in a way that would eliminate airplanes. Yeah, I don't think electric airplanes work very well. Eliminate cows and talked about how uh, this is a shame. I like to eat steak. I don't know about you guys. I really like steak. <laughs> he really fed them red meat in his speech. Like Trump, Perscale reinvented himself. He was a middling businessman who'd gotten a head start from his parents and worked for a company that went bankrupt. He tells a different story about a guy who started with $500 and made it. He changes dates, he rearranges facts, he omits conspicuous events. He basically rewrites his own life story to become a more romantic tale, to fit into the, the image that he's trying to convey. He is a promoter, he's a hustler. He's a marketer. Kind of like Trump. Kind of like Trump, yes. So he's creating the character Brad Perscale. 
he created the character Brad Parscale as a personification of the American dream. Trump's Trump. Parscale grew up in Kansas. They weren't wealthy, but he lived in a kind of suburban cul-de-sac, grew up in a nice neighborhood, went to public high school, played basketball, and was smart. Eventually, he graduated from college and went to work for his dad. His father was a lawyer turned serial entrepreneur with businesses selling scuba equipment, restaurants, and nightclubs. When he tells his life story, Priscale says he's a self-made man. In contrast to feckless Democrats who want help from the government and a free lunch. Before he went to work for Trump, Perscale didn't express much interest in politics. He had a Twitter feed where he complained about things like the size of the salad at Chipotle. He had a kid at age 23, moved to California, worked for a business that filed for bankruptcy, married, then divorced. When he talks, he doesn't mention the problems with the company where he worked in California. He went to work for his father out there with a 3D tech business. That company um, went into bankruptcy and was sued by the bankruptcy trustee for bankruptcy fraud. Brad was one of the defendants in the case. The family settled the lawsuit. Brad's mom, Rita, called it a bunch of baloney. Perscale moved back to San Antonio and set up a digital marketing business. He had clients like Dury's Gun Shop, Quest Plumbing, and D&D Farm and Ranch. One day in 2012, he was eating at a pancake house. I was sitting at IHOP and I got an email. I was eating a ham and cheese omelet. I was. Perscale told the story to 60 Minutes' Leslie Stahl after the 2016 election. And I got an email and I opened it up and it says, um, this is Kathy Kay from the Trump Org. Um, can you please call me? Out of nowhere? Out of nowhere. Perscale later told the Washington Post, quote, I was a nobody in San Antonio, but working for the Trumps would be everything. So he made up a price, way cheap. Perscale calculated that working for Trump would shine up the rest of his brand. This was the kind of thinking that Trump liked, still likes. Perscale got work for Trump's real estate business, for the Trump winery, for Melania Trump's skincare brand, and for Eric Trump's foundation, which he did for free. Perscale really cultivated a relationship with the Trumps. When Eric and his then fiance Laura, came to San Antonio, He met with them, took them out for a steak dinner, and then tweeted about it afterwards. Truly was honored to have their time. One hashtag super cool couple. And then it was 2015, and Trump was getting ready to campaign. And Perscale got another email. It said, "Um, Donald Trump is thinking about running for president. We need a website in two days. So I wrote back. I said, yeah, I'll do it for $1,500. For a while, things go well. Perscale particularly works on Facebook. Trump's daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, Eric's wife, spoke to Perscale for the Trump campaign podcast. Lara also works for Perscale's company. I always explain it, it was like an, an airplane being built in real time in the air, and the landing gear was just put on just the right moment, and it was finished, and it landed smoothly. That's a great smoothly. analogy. I've never heard you say that. Yeah, That's a great analogy. Yeah, he, right one, he says that a lot. Less than two months before the Iowa caucuses, Trump's website crashes. One campaign staffer writes to another, it's time to, quote, transition away from Brad. But the other staffer puts the kibosh on that. Brad is considered family, this staffer wrote. Brad had developed a relationship with Eric Trump and was developing a relationship with Jared Kushner that would be very close. Kushner took a special interest in the campaign's digital efforts. He and Priscale became allies. Priscale keeps both Jared Kushner and Eric Trump on his good side. 
luckily from the blessing of God and that I become the, get here and I can sit right between the two of them and somehow keep them both happy. You're doing um, a great job, job, Brad. In the spring of 2016, Trump won enough delegates for the nomination. Then the Republican National Committee and the campaign started to fight about how to divide up donations. The RNC wanted per scale fired. Brad called up Jared Kushner and said, hey, you know, I'll do anything for the family. I care deeply about you. I mean, really offered a passionate plea to stay aboard. And Kushner, with whom Brad had become close, ultimately helped negotiate with Brad a settlement on this whole issue. Late October 2016, all three debates between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton have taken place. Trump is losing by his biggest margin in a month. Then campaign finance filings come out. They show that Donald Trump has paid the company owned by his ad man, Brad Perscale, $30 million and counting. And someone put that in front of Donald Trump and he erupted. Trump takes the elevator down some 20 stories to an unfinished floor of Trump Tower. He went downstairs in Trump Tower and confronted Brad uh, in the kitchen of the campaign headquarters and was furious. Witnesses describe the scene. Trump is tall, but not as tall as per scale. Trump starts screaming at Perscale. He was in a spitting rage. Chewed him out. What the bleep are you doing with my money? What have you done with it? And they basically had to be separated. Trump is yelling, where the fuck is my money? The deputy campaign manager, Dave Bossy, has to jump between the two. Trump won't back off. The campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway, sneezes on Trump. This distracts him. Eventually, Trump gets persuaded that Perscale is spending most of the money to pay for ads not personally profiting. Perscale learns a lesson. Perscale was shaken by this episode. It clearly made a big impression on him. He understood afterwards that Trump was incredibly sensitive about the appearance of anyone making too much money off of him. Later, Perscale did what Trump would do. He said publicly he was taking the high road, limiting his salary. He didn't mention his company would be making millions. We'll be right back. We're back. In a TV interview in the glow of victory, Perscale quoted his wife, Candace Blount. She said that uh, I was thrown into the Super Bowl, never played a game and won. And Perscale took his Super Bowl ring and monetized it. He tried to really cash in on the success of the presidential campaign. And he actually pitched his commercial work as the Perscale effect. And the notion was, Mr. Commercial Businessman Company, hire Brad Perscale to do the magic for your company that he did for Donald Trump. That was kind of the theme. He starts working on a project for the Dallas Mavericks. He pitches a high-dollar digital marketing campaign for SeaWorld, does paid speeches in Romania and Monaco. He's spotted flying around the world, walking down an airplane aisle. He's hard to miss. But he's also continuing to do political work literally from the moment Trump takes office. After the whole issue with the fight and the ad commissions, Perscale reframes things for the 2020 election, says he's only taking a $300,000 a year salary from the campaign. But he positions himself to be the beneficiary of much larger income streams for his campaign work. While he's collecting the salary from the campaign, his company gets paid millions of dollars by the Republican National Committee 
to make and buy ads. Well, there's certainly nothing wrong with people in politics making money, of course. There are lots of high-level operatives for both parties who have unapologetically cashed in. It's business as usual for the political class. Priscale says he's doing this for the love of country and Trump. Working for Trump has clearly made Brad millions and transformed his life. He now drives a Ferrari and a BMW. He owns a gorgeous $2.4 million waterfront home in Florida. The money from the campaign and the RNC weren't the only way Pascal was making money. After the 2016 election, his company was also making money from a pro-Trump dark money group called America First. And that's a group that's free from the normal restrictions on disclosing its donors, on how much money it can raise, and how it spends money. Under the law, these groups are barred from coordinating with a political campaign. But Parscale had actually co-founded this group, along with other Trump campaign operatives. And he was simultaneously getting paid by both Trump's re-election campaign and America First. Common Cause has filed complaints about this with both the Federal Election Commission and the Justice Department. The complaints are still pending. After Parscale was named campaign manager in February 2018, America First, which has to publicly report its payments, suddenly stopped paying Brad's company, Parscale Strategy. But then Parscale's crew didn't stop doing the work and he didn't stop making money from it. He incorporated a mysterious Delaware LLC that had no public connection to him. It's called Red State Data and Digital. It took over the work Perscale was doing for America First's super PAC. Its payments, as reported in public Federal Election Commission filings, were to an anonymous mail drop at a Pennsylvania Avenue UPS store. And this secretive new company, which had no other known clients, has made more than $900,000. At first, Perscale said his company's work for the RNC, the Super PAC, and the Trump campaign were all legally vetted. After ProPublica and other news organizations began asking further questions, Perscale said he'd stop doing ad buys for the RNC. But all of that back and forth obscured something. Peter uncovered something else. It's not just that Perscale was getting streams of income from the campaign, a Super PAC, and the RNC. It's that the Trump campaign has taken over the RNC in unprecedented ways. Under Trump, the RNC has become practically a wholly owned subsidiary of the Trump campaign. Now, it's not unusual for presidents to direct their parties to play a critical role. But as with so much else in this situation, Trump takes it way, way further than any of his predecessors have. One way this has happened. There's a metric down-ballot candidates, people running for governor or Congress, look at called voter scores. It's information on how voters in a particular district feel about Trump, which could affect campaign ads and messaging. Previously, the RNC would allow these Republican candidates to see this information, not Trump. So candidates in Michigan or Ohio or Illinois who are trying to figure out how best to run their campaigns, how best to be victorious, Republican candidates, are deprived of the information from the party on how voters in their district feel about Trump. RNC officials say the data belongs to the Trump campaign, which is free to withhold it if the president wants. America First declined comment. So it's kind of an enforced loyalty. They don't have the information <laughs> that they need that might incline them to distance themselves. Therefore, they're in this situation of, of being afraid that if they don't 
hew very closely to the president and to his wishes, that they're going to jeopardize their own candidacies. I mean, clearly, President Trump is not patient or tolerant of people that try to run campaigns that distance themselves from him. And it's not just the fear factor. The party's actually also depriving them of information that might be helpful in them winning re-election or winning office. In 2016, Trump promised to drain the swamp, to fund his own campaign, to reduce the influence of big donors. That's not what happened. So here we have what's projected to be America's first billion-dollar political campaign. And there's so much money rocketing through the Trump campaign and its related accounts and the groups that are supporting Trump. And Parscale is at the center of it all. He personifies a huge issue, which is how big money has taken over American politics. You can read more from Peter about Brad Perscale and his investigative profile on ProPublica and in the Texas Monthly. After it came out on an unrelated conference call with reporters, Perscale called ProPublica's investigation into his life a stupid story and added, I'm not going to comment on that right now. Over the next 15 months on Trump, Inc., we're going to be paying particular attention to the money machine surrounding Trump. In the last several election cycles, more and more money has been flooding into politics since the Supreme Court's Citizens United decision that said, essentially, when it comes to political speech, corporations are people. They can give as much as they want. On top of that, we just learned the Federal Election Commission no longer has a quorum of commissioners, which means the agency in charge of enforcing campaign finance law cannot actually enforce campaign finance law. And on top of that, we have a transactional president who has made it perfectly clear that he especially likes people who pay him. And there are so many ways to do that. International real estate deals, golf course memberships, hotel stays. Throughout the campaign, we'll be looking at all of these money flows holistically, all of the ways money flows into the campaign and Trump world, and all of the ways it flows out. You might call it what Trump's campaign is actually called, Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. We're going to need your help. Trump, Inc. is an open investigation. Send us your tips. Find out how at trumpincpodcast.org. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. This episode of Trump, Inc. was produced by Alice Wilder and Catherine Sullivan. The executive producer is Meg Kramer. The engineer is Jared Paul. Thanks this episode to ProPublica's Peter Elkind and Doris Burke. The editors were Nick Varshever, Eric Umansky, and Robin Field. Emily Botine is the director of original programming at WNYC. And Stephen Engelberg is the editor-in-chief of ProPublica. The original music is by Hannes Brown.